about the wanderers in all gold and black You better retreat cause we're on the attack The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back Well, hello everybody, welcome to episode 307, that's 307 It's the Inessa Wolves Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Judah, delighted to be joined by Mr. Liam Keane, who has finally, after five weeks of me heavily editing this podcast because his audio levels are so low, has figured out that it's an issue at his end. Uh, it's an interesting way of um, introducing me to the poly. Mm. Um, mm. I think we both, you know, came to the conclusion off air that um, it was you that had changed my poly in, uh, settings and didn't change it back. So, who's to blame, really? Uh, you, because it's your mic and there's, there's four <laughs> settings and just, just check your back of your mic every single episode yeah, and you're good to yeah. go. Yeah, oh, I suppose I could do that, couldn't I? But I, I, maybe I'll just trust you too much. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just too nice a guy. Um, have you um, have you been oiled up this uh, this last couple of days in this beautiful balmy weather that we are having? This okay. Indian summer that's going into, apparently, going into, uh, as far as Halloween, it's going to be really, really warm for two months. Two months. Um, are you I, a bronze Adonis? I didn't know where you were going for a second with okay. the oiled up comment. Um, mm. No, I'm, I'm still pasty. Uh, I still struggle in the heat. And <laughs> I put the fan on to sleep. Ah, okay. Excellent news. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like, obviously it's nice when it's warm, but I do, if it's too hot, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same, mate. Like a good, a good 19 degrees will do me. I don't want to be any kind of like... Warmer than that, twenty at max. It was too warm against Palace. Goodness me! Oh, it was hot. And to be fair, the the way that the press box at Palace is, it was almost like a bit of a um, uh, greenhouse, wasn't it? The way we, yeah. Uh, even though even though there's there's no windows, so it's out. You know, no in the fresh air. It was all. It was pretty much like a greenhouse. It was a bit grim and then grim to watch. So it, it was a, grim to watch. A, a, a good day it, overall. It was it was grim getting there as well, mate. To be honest. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. So. For those who don't know, I had a couple of senior moments on uh, on Sunday. Be not su- like you. You'd be su- surprised to know. Uh, uh, well, basically, basically, I turned. I was at the ground for the start of the game, which is always a bonus. But um, I set my alarm. So I watched the boxing on Saturday night, which um, was Eubank against Smith. Keno, you you like your boxing? Did you watch it? You didn't watch it, did I, you? No, no, I did watch it. I did. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, Eubank uh, put on a clinic, as they say. Yeah, I mean, look, fair play to him. I think he was. He reminds me a little bit about of you, to be fair, Eubank. Kind of like, thank you. You know, arrogant, bit full of himself, <laughs> not really achieved much in his career. Uh, it's, it's, uh, that is interesting uh, coming from you. Uh, oh dear. Um, and uh, so, watching, I went to bed, and uh, Mum was staying with me. Alana's, Alana's in in America watching some college football, and um, and I set my alarm for eight o'clock. I thought I'd do a nice ten k. Little bit of a walk, little bit of a little bit of a run, um, and then have a shower, have some breakfast, set off at half nine, be there for around about twelve o'clock. Lovely. And I woke up in some sort of like almost like it was in I was in some sort of nightmare to my mum shouting my name. I felt like I was thirteen or fourteen years old again, like I was at school and I was I was late for school, like screaming. And I, I wake up in this daze. She says, are you not supposed to be going to the game? And I'm looking, thinking, is it 7.30, 7.45? Mate, 10 past 10. 10 <laughs> past 10. And it's a two o'clock kickoff, and I'm in Dorridge, Solly Hull, and I've got to get to Crystal Palace. I mean, it's like your worst. It's almost like, you know, when you have your dream, when you wake up and you're, you're naked halfway down, and you're, you're like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. And then you wake up, you think, oh, thank God. It was one of those moments where you just think, that's, that's not. 
this isn't happening. So yeah, it was a very quick change, very quick shower, get my stuff out, out the door, try and stick to the speed limit and get down to Palace and I managed to get there around about quarter past 20 past one, I think. So it, it could have been a lot worse. And thank you to the um, the London traffic for behaving itself. But that was that was a disaster. And of course, like in my room, it's blacked out blinds. I've got earplugs in when I sleep. I've got lavender spray so I can, so, 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 so it's a nice soothing, calming, uh, chilled out area. Uh, I've got face mask on. I've got all my moisturizers on, my night cream, everything to melatonin I'm, I'm, I'm having before so I can just literally sleep everything possible. So you can imagine that I was I was gone. I was completely out of it. So yeah, it wasn't great. I only woke up I think when I was on the M6 properly. And I was <laughs> scooping my. You've seen my scoop my breakfast from the car. Not don't don't eat and drive people. But I was scooping my oats and uh, trying to get some coffee down me. So it wasn't great. So but I got there. I wish I hadn't to be honest. I wish I'd missed it. Uh, judging by the last 90 minutes. And then on the way back, I'm speaking to you. We're calling each other. We like to have a bit of a debrief on the way back. And I'm staying at the London apartment. And I say, you say, oh, I've got an hour and 20 minutes left. And I'm like, I've got an hour and 20 minutes left. And I'm going back into central London. What's going on? And then I call you back, what, 20 minutes later? Yeah, about that. About 20 minutes later, um, and I've put the wrong address in. I'm going back to Solihull for some reason. I haven't even noticed. I had to turn around and go back into London. Not a great day, Bob. Not a great day. No, I mean, the, the first line of your second call when you rang me back was... Yeah. So I shouldn't really be telling you this, <laughs> but because you knew I wasn't going to let it, let it, let no, it die. No, no, no. I but, did think twice. But I've put Dorridge into my sat nav, and I'm you know currently 25 minutes outside of London. I thought it was taking me round <laughs> the outskirts of London to bring me back in, but no, it was taking me back to Solihull. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, not great. Bad, bad, bad turnaround for me. But it yeah, is good day then overall. Good day, great day, mate. Great day. Um, Look, uh, Palace, mate. Uh, let's 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 go over it. Um, good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, what was well? There wasn't a lot of good about it. I would say coming out. Who came out of that game with any credit whatsoever? Um, I would say argue Huang Hee Chan and probably well and Pedro Neto. And, and there's not a lot else for me. Maybe Mario Lamina as well. I'd say particularly yeah. his first half, probably in comparison to his to his second. But I think. In, in particular, in comparison to Jao Gomez next to him, who, look, I'm a massive fan of, I think he's a top, top player, but I thought he was very poor um, against Palace. So, yeah, I think they're, they're probably the three you can just about stick with. It's, it was a strange one for Mateus Cunha. He got a goal, and I was coming to do my player ratings after the game and, and thinking, I mean, obviously the goal was almost the last kick of the game, so it mattered uh, very little. But good for him and for his confidence, of course it is, but I think on his performance, I couldn't really give him much more than the five I gave him despite scoring because I don't I thought he was very um well didn't have much influence put it that way and um yeah I think you you go through the squad and unfortunately there was a lot of individuals that um with their individual performances and and, and the way that the, the structure of the game played out um didn't do their jobs really um and for me I, I don't want to have to completely <laughs> kill someone um but if I'm going to pick someone out and, and we'll you know we'll come on to to, to players who might be coming in at some point, but Nelson Semedo I thought was very poor. And, and um, unfortunately, it harks back to a few weeks ago when we started the season. He was magnificent against United. And we said, right, he's got to keep these kind of levels of performances up. And he hasn't done that since. And probably, unfortunately, what we expected of him because his inconsistency has been the, uh, the, the key criticism for him in a Wolf shirt. 
Yeah, I mean, the frustrating thing for me is that Palace weren't particularly good on the day and and still won that game. I kind of mentioned in my notebook afterwards on Monday that it, even though it was 3-2, the scoreline flattered Wolves to a certain extent. And you can look at the stats and you can look at the possession stats, but Wolves were not any threat in that game to score goals. They were toothless up front, they were poor at the back. And with Palace playing pr- pretty bang average... Uh, they were comfortable winners. I mean, 3-1 up was probably more of a fair, fair scoreline. And, uh, you know, the way that some of those goals were conceded as well at the other end, it was it was pretty, pretty soft, to be honest. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a really... I mean, when you look at the way that, that Wolves attack and the way that they um, get into the final third, and it's interesting to look back at how Gary O'Neill assessed it in the press comments afterwards, because he made actually quite a good point about the number of times Wolves have entries into the final third is, is how he described it. And I think he's right that Wolves' play... I mean, look, the possession, um, well, passing rather, for both teams, there was a spell in the first half, uh, maybe a little bit into the second, where neither side could keep the ball, neither side could make five, ten-yard passes, and we were both sort of dumbfounded by what we were seeing because it was really a, quite a bizarre watch. Um, but aside from that, Wolves, their play into the final third, for the most part, is actually quite good. Wolves look after the ball fairly well, apart from that passing criticism that both teams had. They take up decent positions. They find the overlap from the fullback. They find the wingers in between the lines. They just don't like it when I speak, honestly. They don't, they don't like it, mate. They've That's had enough. You, I mean, you, you, you speak for more than a minute and they've, they've, they've lost interest. Hi, <laughs> Baloo! Unfortunately, no. they're not the only ones who think that. <laughs> but I'm still here. They're back, um, they're back, they're back. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the Wolves' play up, up until that point is actually pretty decent. And mm. you'll look at people... I speak to people uh, over the last couple of days who aren't Wolves fans and don't uh, and will watch that game as a neutral. And most people say the same thing, that Wolves to watch are actually not a bad watch. Really? They're, genuinely. This is what people... Because they look after the ball, they get into nice positions... Yeah. And it's as soon as you get into the final third, it's the same criticism we've had for the last two or three seasons, really, where, for me, it's very ponderous, it's very methodical, it's very slow. Mm. Wolves are trying desperately to carve out the perfect chance, and there's no urgency, there's no intensity, there's no... I mean, I'll use an example here. Palace's first goal was exactly what Wolves should be doing. Mitchell picks the ball about wide... Yeah. He aims for the byline. He whips in a beautiful left-footed cross. Nope. It's behind the the defence. It's a dangerous cross, and Edward makes a um, makes a, a run in between Dawson and Kilman. Gets in front of Kilman. Has the desire to get on the to get on the end of the of the cross and get there yeah. before the defender, and then gets a touch on it. And it's one 0 When Wolves did that, they actually had opportunities. Obviously, a free kick for the first goal. Um, great delivery by Neto. But the second goal. Neto picks the ball about wide on the left, which, by the way, I think suits him more on the left than the right. Whips in a left-footed, brilliant left-footed cross. Collide just causes a few issues with his height and his awkwardness, and Cunha's mm-hmm. left free to head it home. Now, had Wolves done that earlier in the game, um, I, th- I think they could have had a good chance of getting points there. And it doesn't always mean that you have to cross the ball, because, look, you, you, you can score goals without making a cross. Of course you can. But how many times do Wolves pick it up and don't shoot? How many times do they overplay? How many times do they go for an extra one or two or three passes when there's something else on? Um, I think, for me, it's a mentality thing. I think Wolves need to get over this hump, and they're struggling to do that. And that, for me, is Gary Neal's biggest challenge. Yeah, there's a lot made about shots in those first two games, wasn't it? the amount of shots. But the amount of shots 
you know, you've got to carry on. And then you look at, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how many shots they had against Crystal Palace, but if you add Crystal Palace and Everton, that's drastically diminished. Um, and when you're not creating chances and you're not clinical because you, these forwards are not clinical whatsoever, they've all got terrible strike records when it comes to goals and, and games played. It's almost like a graveyard for strikers and forwards at this moment in time, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, you're not gonna, you're not going to win games of football. In fact, you're not going to draw many games of football. I saw afterwards at the end of the game, it was interesting with Neto and Cunha. They seemed to be in a, a long discussion. I'm not going to say heated, but it was definitely one of frustration. This was, of course, like you say, Cunha scored the very last kick of the game or header of the game, and there was a frustration there, which I want to see. I kind of, I was kind of pleased yeah. to see it. They were both not happy. They were both not arguing but like I say they were involved in something that they were disagreeing about and it showed a bit of passion it showed that they weren't just trudging off and not bothered about it so there's obviously something that's not quite right and look Gary O'Neill is going to take time as manager of Wolverhampton Wanderers to kind of get his ethos to get what he wants um, across to these players I think international break will probably help with that but there's definitely something that's off at the moment especially in these last let's be honest they weren't very good at Everton um, for large parts of that game. They could have quite easily have lost that game. Um, and it's kind of a continuation of that, especially in that second half from what I saw against Everton. And there needs to be a change in, in ethos, a change in confidence to get some yeah. of this confidence into the strikers because they missed out on Che Adams. They, they, they went for Dia. They went for a few strikers. It's not happened. So Gary O'Neill has looked at what he's got and gone, we need a bit more here. I'm not convinced. But now it hasn't happened. He's now got to turn that around and get the best of what he can out of these players, including the likes of Fabio, who we'll come on to in a little bit, I thought was was very poor again on Saturday. And what you do with him now, they've been given the number nine shirt. And ironically, Huang, who came off the bench, was the best, I think, out of the forwards from a clinical point of view and has been probably for the last two to, two to three seasons. Yeah, I think on Huang first, um, I think he's Wolves' most natural finisher, I really do. We saw glimpses of that when he first arrived at the club on loan. Of course, injury issues and maybe confidence and form all dipped. But even towards the end of last season, he showed that he's the kind of player that pops up in the right place at the right time because he gets, um, as Dave Edwards described to me yesterday doing the, the column for the Express and Star, he, Huang gets in between the posts. And by that, I mean... When there's a loose ball, he's he's in the right place at the right time for a five-yard tapping if it needs if if needs be. He makes a great run at Palace to get a header. Obviously, you know a little bit of luck comes off his shoulder, but sometimes you've got to create your own luck. And he makes those kind of runs. He's a powerful runner when he has the ball as well. For me, at this moment in time, the way Wolves are performing going forward, Huang Yi Chan's probably one of the first names in the, on the team sheet going uh, for for forward players. I don't blame Gary Neal for not starting him. He had obviously the little issue at Everton, ended up being okay, but he had to manage him. And he, the last thing you need with someone like Huang, who's had a few hamstring problems uh, in, in recent times, is to overload him and have him out for five or six weeks. So I don't blame him for not starting him at Palace, but provided he's able to start at Liverpool and beyond, I, I think he has to, to start games now for me. Um, and then on Fabio, as you as you mentioned, I completely agree uh, you're criticism of him and um, analysis of his performance because it wasn't good enough. Uh, he didn't prove any points. He didn't take his opportunity. I'll give him a slight benefit of the doubt by making this one point I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make. I saw, particularly in the first half, 
half a dozen times where he made a very intelligent run off the shoulder of the last defender and was screaming for the ball through. And not once was there even an attempt to play the ball to him. Now, he has had opportunities to score against Brighton and Everton and not taken them. So that is a clear criticism that you cannot defend. But when a striker's making the runs and a pass is on and he's not receiving it, that's not his problem. That's not his fault. There needs to be some sort of solution there. And that comes back to my earlier point about Wolves in the final third being ponderous and slow and methodical. It's all five-yard, ten-yard passes. It's sideways, it's backwards. It's trying to find the, the perfect pass when perhaps you have to take a few more risks. And you've got to have the confidence to take those risks. I think the quality is there for those risks to be taken and for the goals to be scored. I think Gary O'Neill has to now instill the confidence, the belief and the tactical nous really to drag that out of these players. It's, it's, it's a lot easier said than done, to be, to be perfectly honest with you. And again... To, to your point on Fabio, aside from that benefit of the doubt I'm going to give him with the runs, how many times did the ball pop up to him with an opportunity to hold it up, make an easy yeah, pass, and it would, it, exactly. would bounce, it would bounce off him? It, would, it was all a bit sloppy. Um, I think for him it's the same problem as with the majority of the players. It's just having that little bit of a lucky break and a bit of confidence. And once you've got that, that's where you're going to see the best out of him. And, and then just my final point on this, Wolves' best attacking football over the last few seasons, and particularly under Nuno, for the large part, came counter-attacking. Wolves are trying to be a possession-based side. They they did that under Lopetegui. Um, they attempted at one point under Bruno to do it, and Bruno very quickly switched back to, uh, to um, sort of uh, counter-attacking five of the back, obviously, in his first season. But Lopetegui did it, and yes, he kept clean sheets and got the results he needed. Wolves are still trying to do a similar type of style now, but the pressure is on the defence to keep a clean sheet, and they're not doing that. And that's the difference between why Wolves aren't picking results up. If Wolves did were able to keep the clean sheets and, and get the kind of results Lopetegui was getting, they'd be winning 1-0, losing uh, 1-0, drawing 0-0. It'd be very tight scorelines. And, um, and at the moment, they're not tight at the back. So that is another key difference for me, and, and perhaps something that not only mentality-wise with the players, but something O'Neill's got to address tactically for me as well. You talk about, I mean, kind of brings me on nicely to my next point, that issues at top, Fabio, Cunha, both been poor this season, issues at the back, can they can they recover? Do they get more chances? How, how long do you persevere with some of these players? Liverpool in two weeks' time, then you were a massive game, really, at Luton, the Manchester City come to town. You know, are, you, are we playing the long game with some of these players? Are we giving them say Fabio, six, seven, eight games, eight starts, eight starts. Like I say, giving the number nine shirt now, that's a that's you know a big saying confidence. So do you give them right, you're starting for eight games. You're I'm mean, you're getting a run in this side regardless of your form. Just keep getting in the right positions. Or does there come a point sooner rather than later where you go, well I'm gonna bench you now and I'm gonna play Sasha. I'm gonna bench you um you know Craig Dawson or Max Kilman even, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Totti. Or do they have they earned or earned a, a decent run in this side that will be multiple games before we even think about a change. And and also on the I guess I guess similar question is whose places do you think are most under threat at this point? Well if any long, long time listeners of this podcast will know that we do next to no preparation because we're really professional. Um and 
Speak for yourself. I, I, I did at least seven and a half minutes before I came on this. Yeah, no, I did at least three and a half. It was good, it was okay, good, okay. It was good stuff. Um, no, I mean, half an hour before we started recording this, I was writing my uh, comment piece and I covered this exact topic that you just brought oh. up. So it's, it, you know, great minds think alike. Exactly. Uh, I don't know who they are, but they, they think they're like. <laughs> Someone. I believe there are up to. I think there's an argument with for more, but I believe that there are up to three positions and players now that have had their chance and should be taken out of the team now. Okay, can I guess it or not? Yeah, go, go for it. Let's play a little game. You get, you guess. Okay, I'm going to say first and foremost, I'm going to say your number one is Nelson Semedo, and I feel like as soon as Liverpool, if not Luton, but probably Liverpool, Matt Doherty will be. Coming to this side. Uh, after each guest, do you want me to give my reasons now or should I do it at the end? No, you can do it if I get it correct. And if okay. not, then you can maybe bring come at the end. Yeah, go on. A- absolutely spot on. Uh, he was my number one as well. That's my number one position to change. I cannot for the life of me fathom why Matt Doherty's not had an opportunity in the Premier League, not played a single minute, not even off the bench. When you look at... And I, and I probably give Tomato a bit more credit over, you know, last few years or seasons than than you do. I think mm. I'd probably rate him slightly higher, but mm. I still get so frustrated at the inconsistency. And I can't fathom when you look at him at Palace, I think we both had the same sort of analysis of him here, that he looked a little bit disinterested. He was getting frustrated at the decisions from the referee. He got he was, an unlucky booking. I think the booking did, was harsh, no, no, but, I, but I it's the way you react. I completely agree with that. It was an unlucky booking. However... The word I can use is I felt like he stropped a little bit, Mm. particularly in that first half where Mm. it was, you know, complaining at the referee and sort of walking back into position. And then it was Geddes like body language. It was, it was, it was. um, I don't think it was quite as bad as that, but it was of that sort of mould, wasn't it? Yes. And and it was, you know, strolling back into position. It was allowing, uh, backing off defenders and allowing, uh, sorry, forwards and allowing them to get across and allowing them to take him on, not committing to tackles. It. He had a really, particularly first half, but I think overall had a really poor game. And I don't understand after why 60, 65 minutes there, he's not come off. I really don't. I think for Liverpool, Matt Doherty should come in. I know he scored two. I know it was against Blackpool, but he scored two. And someone in the questions for this podcast made a very good point. Would Nelson Smedo have scored two against Blackpool? I would bet my mortgage that's currently not going through um, (laughs) that that he absolutely would not have scored two against Blackpool. So... Um, that, that's my number one. Matt Doherty comes in for, for okay. Semedo. Um, the second one I'm going to say, I'm going to say that you're going to leave Fabio in for now, which I can understand. I'm going to say the second one for me, even though I thought he was very good on Tuesday night, albeit against Blackpool, I'm going to say that Pablo Sarabia is back out and you're looking at Huang Hee Chan to come in. I mean, we have not spoke about this before, Hamby. You are spot on once come again. Come on, baby. Come um, on. And, and two spot, for on two. With the, spot on with the Fabio thing as well. I'm, I'm I'm, a little bit torn with that one. I just think I'm not sh- quite sure that Kalajic is ready to start. And I think the impact he's having off the bench is quite important at the moment. So yeah. I would give Fabio a bit longer. And I think yeah. strikers are a, a strange, almost unique position where they do need a bit more of a run in the team. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I agree with that. Um, and then, yeah, I think, well, I've already mentioned about Huang to keep it short. Most natural finisher in the in the in the squad, I think, or at least up there, and he should be starting every game for the, well, at least for the time being, for the for the short term foreseeable future, mm-hmm. because I think he's dangerous and he's 
he gives Wolves a different dynamic and a different edge. Uh, and Sarabia, aside from the Blackpool game, which by all accounts you told me he played very well and got a few assists in, he's he's not done anywhere near enough in the Premier League so far. So that would be my uh, my second one. Right, now it gets tasty. Uh, can I go three for three? Well, Fabio's not there. I think you keep Cunha in. So where do I go? Do I go at the back or do I go? I'm going to say... I'm going to say that your third and final one is take Zhao Gomez out the firing line and bring in, if fit, a Tommy Doyle. Eh, eh. Ah, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. Um, no, look, I think Tommy Doyle will be important for Wolves. I mean, obviously, he's had a small knee knock and he's hopefully mm. going to be available for Liverpool. Um, I was no, I was going on what you said last week. Really, that's yeah. killed me a little bit. No, I think I think um, the the thing with him is that he's going to bring. He's more of a ball playing midfielder. He's going to give Wolves a bit more stability. I mm. don't think he necessarily starts ahead of Gomez all the time. I think they're interchangeable depending on the opposition, and I think he'll come on a lot in games as well. But um, so I think he will be important for Wolves. But my last position uh, and player um, was Totti Gomez. Oh, okay, right. You, okay. you know, you know, I'm a big fan of him, but I think there's genuine, mm. solid reasoning behind this. Um, and, and I will caveat it by saying I'm not actually quite sure who he would replace and what position. I think you can go either way. I think he comes in at left-back potentially or you play him ahead of Kilman. I, I am a fan of Kilman. Um, I think there's question marks over him as a, as a captain still, but I am a fan of him as a footballer. And I'd be a little bit wary about taking him out right now. But either way, I think I would try and find a way to bring Totti Gomez in. I really would. And, and all three of these, by the way, I'm talking about straight away for, for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these players deserve it. Totti Gomez at no point um, in the substitute appearances he's made uh, this season has he put a foot wrong. Last season, in 95% of the games he played in, he was at the very least solid defensively, if not very, very good and I think he adds another aerial presence. I think he's quick, strong, he's athletic. I think he's a really natural defender. I think other than Craig Dawson, who makes an incredible amount of blocks, I mean, I didn't think he was very good against Palace, but overall in his Wolves career, has made an incredible amount of blocks and tackles and last-ditch uh, tackles. I think aside from him, I've made this point a few times, aside from him, Totti Gomez is the most natural defender um, in Wolves' team. He, he sniffs out danger. He gets his body in the way. He's a very, very good tackler. And as I say, with his pace and, and athleticism, he's able to keep up with wingers if he does play left-back and, and take people to the byline if needed and make a, a last-ditch tackle. I, Whether it's at left-back or centre-back, I would play Totti Gomez. And by the way, if any of these three players get this opportunity mm-hmm. and don't take it, mm-hmm. then they're well within... Gary Neal is well within his rights to, to move back or look at a different option or whatever it is. You know, Players have got to come in be given a fair shake first of all and then take that opportunity as well and if they don't you've got to make changes Could you see a scenario where Totti comes in and Max Kilman and Craig Dawson play and he goes to a 5-3-2 or some you know a 4-2-3-1 a 5-2-1-2 you know, or something like that against against Liverpool and they play three centre-backs especially with Santiago Bueno now available probably in, in a couple of weeks time that you're looking at three centre-backs and, and maybe go a little bit more caution and, and throw people up in those set pieces. All of a sudden you've got Totti, Kilman, Dawson in there. You whip the ball in, you've got a little bit more. Because let's be honest, you're not going to pass Liverpool to death out of the park. Hey, if you do, you're going to get beaten. So you've got to try and bring it back to your strengths. And I, I do think centre-backs don't score enough goals, really, for, for Wolves. But no, if I you agree. make it a bit more of a physical game 
and you try and take it to them and you get on top of them early and you put a few tackles in and you crowd the box with big guys and you know centre-back wise, I mean Virgil van Dijk could be missing the game, he might get an extra game suspension uh, from that Newcastle sending off, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold out of the squad, I guess probably want to talk about later on, but you know, those, they could be those two players defensively, that's a big loss. You start lumping balls forward and you've got three marauding centre-backs in there, it's a different story for me. I know we've had a lot of questions actually for this podcast about potentially moving to a five and our thoughts on it. And I think it's a really, really important and interesting point actually. It can be an attacking, and, and it has effectively it have to been be defensive, an attacking, absolutely. Exactly, an attacking formation. I think with some of the changes I've looked at, potentially bringing Doherty in and, and things like that, that would suit it down to the ground. Of course it would. And for shoring up the defence and adding a bit more potential, you know, uh, offensive uh, um, at, um, at offensive set pieces, particularly with Totti Gomez, I think that attacks the ball quite well and, and probably should score more as well. I think all of the centre backs should score more um, than they do for Wolves. Then I think it's a really, really good possibility for O'Neill to explore. The problem he's got there is he likes to play the two strikers or Cunha just off a striker. And if he does that, he will have to either sacrifice playing two strikers mm-hmm. or sacrifice playing two wingers. He's not yeah. going to be able to have both. Sure. So. Um, that's the biggest question mark there, and obviously whether he plays two midfield, three midfield. There's, there's different options, but you've got someone like you know Jean Rittner, Balgard coming in, mm-hmm. who can play as a forward-thinking eight or out wide, and would he suit that maybe three in midfield in a in a back five formation? I think he potentially would suit that quite nicely. Pick the ball up deep, be able to run with it, be able to make things happen. Um, find the passes out to whether it's Aintnoy or Bueno on the left or uh, Doherty on the right. So I do quite like the idea of, of playing that formation and making a few changes to, to personnel. But those three players that I've mentioned, in my opinion, have to be given an opportunity now. just want to say a couple of people do email me about this each week. Uh, there was a couple of noises there in the background. That was not me because I had a curry last night. That's my dog snoring. So just <laughs> FYI. I, just I did hear something earlier and I wasn't sure. Make that, make that point. Um, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, arguably, and, and I agree with you, Liam, I'm not sure quite whether he's ready yet, but this uh, five would probably be effective. I prefer wingers. I prefer to see wingers in there. And you can have the wingers, but obviously, like you say, you've got to play one up front. So in, in that kind of system, probably Kalaji suits that. And you, without with the expense of Cunha and Fabio, actually where you've got someone in a focal point up there and someone who can hold the ball up. I wonder, I think, I think, I think Sasha is actually closer to a start than probably you. I think he's closer to a start than maybe you think, Liam, because I think there's not too many times more where we can see the ball keep coming back because these two cannot hold it up up top. And, you know, putting pressure back on the defence constantly. It's soul-destroying when you've worked hard to to get retain possession or, or, to, or to win possession back, to clear it, to get to pass it up to your guys who are going to hold it up and it's coming straight back. And especially in that heat, it's frustrating and there are going to be mistakes that are going to get made. And I feel like it will be sooner rather than later that Sasha Kalajic actually starts a game of, of football in the Premier League for Wolves. Now, I don't think anyone thinks he's going to last 90 minutes, but if you're giving 60 minutes or so before you bring on a Cunha or, or a Fabio, depending on how things are going at the time, then I would say that that could happen as soon as Liverpool. Yeah, Imagine I mean, Totti 
you know, imagine, like, say, Totti, but, you know, three or four, all four of these, uh, Totti, Kilman, Dawson, Kalajic in that box. I mean, all of a sudden, you've got a completely different threat there. And, they, and Wolves don't do enough with it, and they, and they no. haven't for, for a number of seasons. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a good point. Look, O'Neill's been asked about this in the last few weeks, and he says, look, Kalajic is available to start a game. It, we've just got to... I mean, I think he was last asked maybe a couple of weeks ago, so I imagine it would have changed slightly uh, between then and now. But um, at the time, he said he's available to start a game and we'd have to consider taking him off around the 70-minute mark and have a sort of plan B. So I think that's probably where the reluctance has been to start him. With um, He's not going to, to Austria um, for the, the national team, so he'll be sticking around at Wolves and, and good, getting, more, good, good. getting more training under his belt. So... Um, I think between now and, and the Liverpool game, he's got definitely more of a chance to, to start. I do think Gary Neal will probably stick with Fabio for... Um, or I say stick with Fabio. It's, it is interchangeable. It could be Fabio and Collages playing together, couldn't it? It could be Cunha missing out. But I think he'll stick with Cunha and Fabio together for that game and, and the time being. But for every position and every player, as I've done with the other positions that I think should be changing, mm-hmm. um, there comes a time when you've got to make a decision and O'Neill's got to try and that's the most difficult thing try and make that decision at the right time because players have got to be given a fair shake but equally if they don't perform they've got to know that there's someone else there waiting to take their spot we love all the questions that come in and i think you know regardless of how many we get to at the end of this show we are hopefully answering a lot of your questions um in just naturally chatting about the situation one of those questions or there's a, there's a lot of questions about Max Kilman and we've touched on it slightly you touched on it there Liam as well about potentially looking at Max Kilman being the one to make way uh, eventually maybe not straight away Kil- Captain Kilman um, Liam now we've, we've had plenty of discussion on this me and you both ways over the last month or so I think both of us would not have given Kilman the captain's armband Um that's not to say that we don't rate Max because I think Max is a, I think he's a good Premier League centre back. I don't think he's anything more than that to be honest. I've got to be completely clear. I think that he needs a, a partner with him. I'm not sure whether he's elite. I don't think he's elite. I think he's above average centre back, and I think he can get better. Um, I think you probably give him a little bit more credit than that. He had a tough game on Sunday against Crystal Palace. But if in terms of captaincy, in terms of leading, in terms of, let's be honest, this side battling in the bottom eight of the Premier League this year, which is, I think, a realistic observation, what we thought before, and that my my opinion has not changed, that they will be in the bottom eight of the Premier League this season, I'm not sure he's the type of character to inspire. And maybe there's too much in captaincy. Maybe a captain, a captain was more important five to ten years ago in the Premier League than it is now. I think you're, like we say, there's, there's different captains, there's a leadership group, there's all these different nuances that we didn't have before. But I feel like still on the field, when there's an issue, when there's a booking, when there's a red card, when there's communicating with the referee, I feel like you need a, a someone who's going to demand respect. And I'm not quite sure. And like I said, this is not a dig on Max Kilman, but I feel like I'd rather him have him concentrating at this moment in time on his own game than organising 10 other individuals on that football pitch. Yeah, I. Um, in terms of the football ability, yeah, you're right. I think I give him a little bit more credit than that, but I, I still agree with your point that he's not... Um, I don't think he's an elite centre-back. Um, do I think he could potentially do a job at a top six, top eight club? I, I, I do. I think there's, there's the potential there. But 
again, it's that old word again, consistency, and he's had that problem um, not throughout his whole career, but certainly recently, where it's it's not quite clicking for him. And when it comes to the captaincy, I'm completely in agreement with you. I I think there probably isn't as much importance on on a captaincy in modern football. I think you know they they've got the leadership group and they've got different ways of of running. Um, the club, both you know, from a football side of things and and off the pitch as well. But I think even if it's from the bare minimum of the optics of the way that we and the, how fans look at it from the outside, you need. I still believe you need a captain that garners respect, like you phrased it there, and someone who can inspire a bit more. And Kilman is a, a genuinely nice but fairly quiet guy. And that doesn't mean he can't lead by example, but does that mean he's a club captain? I'm not. I'm still not convinced. My choice. I know you had Craig Dawson as your choice at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. My choice was and still is Mario Lamina. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's obviously energetic and he played well against Palace and, and he's and he's loud and he's you know genuine people upon the pitch and all these kind of things. Um, there's a I think a worry and a question mark over him being a little bit too emotional and maybe gets too many bookings and things like that. Uh, play against him um, as being a captain but when I look at him on the pitch and I see the difference between him and Kilman and other players um, Lamina's the one you can hear Lamina's the one that is organising Lamina's the one that um, I think is is, is of the voice and I think Kilman is still very important to Wolves and should be part of the leadership group for several reasons one being that he's he's come through you know from a, a fairly young age but I'm not sure he's the out and out club captain that's really where my my criticism comes. It's um, it's an interesting, one, isn't it? Because look, from the I got to look at play devil's advocate as well, and I, I like I, said, I agree with you, Liam. But at the same time, Bruno Large came, and and Max Kilman was the vice captain to Ruben Neves. Um, June Lopetegui came. Max Kilman was the captain. You know, with when when Ruben Neves apparently was Max Kilman. When Gary O'Neill's come in, Max Kilman is the guy. So these are. These are three different managers who have come in here and held Max Kilman in very high regard. So you've got to think that there's a that he obviously commands respect in and around the training ground. But whether that whether that goes onto the pitch and in a you know in a neutral environment in a in a you know eleven versus eleven environment, I'm not too sure. I think maybe being behind the scenes at Compton Park and then it trans, transcending onto the football field, I feel like that's where the, there is an issue there. I'm not sure whether that completely. Um, is exactly the same, and I don't think it replicates on the field for me, um, from the outside looking in, and especially when you look at someone who needs who needs a bit of stature, needs a bit of respect, who knew, who knows the referees inside out. I feel like Lamina is a really good shout. I think both of these guys are, are experienced. Of course, Lamina's come back into this side. You know, he said he was a little bit immature at Southampton. I think there is a maturity about him. Yes, he's a little bit haphazard and he wears his his heart on his sleeve at times. But I, I don't, I wouldn't see that as a ding on him being a captain. I would have one of those two. However, he's given his name Max Kilman the captain, Liam. So, for all intents and purposes, this argument is redundant because I can't see a situation where he takes the captaincy away from Max Kilman in the next 5, 10, 15 games. I just don't see that. The only reason I could see, and you mentioned it earlier on, is if he leaves Max Kilman out of the side, he needs taking out of the side. Nuno did it, took Max Kilman out of the side for a little bit before he got brought back in. Then I think if you have a new captain, they do well, Max Kilman comes back in, then potentially you could keep that captain who's done well. But in terms of 
the situation at this moment in time, I can't see any change unless Max Kilman is dropped out of this side for a, a small period of time. Yeah, I'll be honest, even if he is dropped out of the side for a small period of time, I'm not sure they would even take it off him then. Um, well, it'd have to be someone who captures on the pitch. I'm just no, saying. Well, no, of course, someone would have it for, for however many games, but I think as a, a club captain, as an official role, and when he came back into the side, still having that uh, the armband, I don't think he would even be taken away from him. I think it would be a um, an off-season uh, discussion where they would make a change before a new campaign, perhaps, uh, if they were to make one. Um, but, you know, I think you made a really, really important point, actually, about Bruno, Julen, and now Gary O'Neill all coming to the same conclusion that... Kilman was either a vice or the main man and there is something in that because these same three intelligent football managers of varying uh, experience I've all come to the same conclusion there's, there's a reason for that and I think part of it is going to be that he knows the club he's been around the club a long time I think that's going to be a big part of it um, but what I will say to give Max some credit and um, leave the door open a little bit, I suppose, is if there's something we're not seeing, if there's something we're missing, if there's any reason to be proven wrong, um, I think we would both hold our hands up and say we, we got it wrong um, and, and, and that he is a captain. But from what we've seen and what we've heard, we have to go off, um, go off that at this moment in time, in our opinion. I would love nothing more than to be wrong and to have him... Um, Take Wolves to success and be a you know a superb captain. I'm just not convinced of it at this moment in time. Um, if he wins me round, I'd be more than happy to you know come on here and, um, and and put my hands up and say I was wrong. But at the moment, I think we've just got to stick by what we know, what we see, what we hear, and our opinion really. And sure. as it stands, <clears throat> we're not convinced. The Glob Mini League. The Glob. The Glob <laughs> is glob. back. The Glob. The Glob is back. So for anyone who missed. Uh, our discussion a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, I um, have basically identified teams that I think Wolves are going to be in and around this season. And it's it's basically a mishmash of, of teams who I feel like there's no real differentiation between them um, this season. And it's, it's called the glob. And for me, people can go in and out of the glob or the circle of trust, if you want to call it the circle of trust. But I think that... I've said Luton are down from the start. They're down. Luton are down. Okay, so I'm not even bringing them into it. And for me, this is the one who I think might, you know, they may or may not come into the glob. Let's hope that they don't. But for me, I'm still writing off Sheffield United. I'm sorry. I know that they've done okay. They've got a point against Everton. They've got the first point of the season. I'm still writing off these two teams. And then I've got six, including Wolves, who are in this glob mini-league. And the idea of the glob mini-league is you want to finish towards the upper end of the glob rather than the lower end. Because if you're in the lower end, then you're at risk for relegation. If you're at the upper, the top end, then I think you're going to be fine this season. And we don't, we, no one wants a relegation battle. So this is the glob mini league without Luton and Sheffield United. Six teams, where are Wolves after four games, would you say, Liam, in the glob? What, where they are literally? Yeah, where the are they? Or? What position, position mini league in the glob mini league? Where do you think they are of the six teams that I've got here? Well, I'm confused by the question. In the Premier League, they're 15th. Is that what you're asking? I don't know. No, but there's a glob. So there's six teams that I think Wolves are going to... We've discussed these six teams. I'm going to read them out again. But where are they in the six-team mini... Where are they in this six-team mini-league, would you say? Because we don't want them to be at the bottom of the glob. We want them to be at the top of the glob. The six teams, where do you think they are position-wise? In the middle? Yeah, they're in the middle. The third out of the six. So 
After four games, Nottingham Forest... These are the teams that I think Wolves are going to be in and around this season. They need to finish above a, a few of them. Forest, Fulham, Wolves, Bournemouth, Everton, Burnley. So Forest are top, yeah. six points. Fulham are second with four points. Wolves are third with three. Bournemouth are fourth with two. Everton are fifth with one. And Burnley are sixth and they haven't, they're bottom of the Premier League. They haven't got a point yet. So six, four, three, two, one. So in terms of, yes, it's just frustrating yes it's annoying yes fans are already peeved off with Foson or Jeff or even Gary O'Neill and you've got to look at your expectations here like what are we annoyed about are we annoyed because Wolves are should be a top 10 side then I think if you're looking at that or top half side then I think yes you should be peeved off if we're looking at like we've discussed earlier on Wolves are going to be bottom half of the table this season probably bottom eight but we don't want to be in some sort of relegation battle. We don't want to be scra scraping for our lives. We want to be bottom at Christmas. If you're talking about being in this bottom eight, but being at the top end of the bottom eight, then it's probably the kind of start that we expected, isn't it? Maybe a point you could have got really at Crystal Palace. But apart from that, I don't think that um, any expectation-wise, I'm, I'm not really that shocked to you. Yeah, well, yeah. If, that, if that's where the expectations are, that's probably about right. I think we we are sort of um, fairly similar. I think we said about fourteenth. Did we say? Yeah, around yeah. that fourteenth, fifteenth. With Wolves finished this season, um, so that puts them around that sort of Makes position. Them spot um, on, really, of where yeah. where we expect them to be. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, three losses and and a win from the opening four games. Obviously, you'd want better than that. Mm -hmm. But equally, Wolves had a you know a fairly tough start, and they've um, and if you like. Have won the game you would expect them, or at least exactly. hope them to win. So, yeah, I think when you when you take stock at it, uh, take take stock of it and look at it like that, then Wolves are probably about about right. Um, but then, equally, you've got obviously Liverpool coming up, and that's not going to be easy. Despite sure. the, the home game um, last season with them, and then after that, you've got Luton away. I mean, that already it feels like a huge game, doesn't it? And if Wolves are going to be there or thereabouts of where we think they will be they've got to be winning that game regardless of what happens with Liverpool. So it's going to be... Um, obviously, you can't target fixtures like that because the way Wolves tend to be is they'll beat Liverpool and then go and lose <laughs> to Luton, won't they? It's just, it's just the way Wolves tend to <laughs> tend to be. So um, provided that the points are being picked up and, and the average is, is around the same, then Wolves should be OK still. And I think, and I think you're the same, I, I think they'll be fine. Um, I don't think there's going to be a problem. I think they, there's easily worse teams I think Wolves have got the quality there they've just got to try and get the quality to show and come to the fore If Wolves, if Wolves lose to Liverpool which is, is probably expected and beat Luton and they've got six points in their first six games with a very difficult opening set of fixtures and like you say those two games where they should win and they have won I don't think we'd be absolutely all up in arms I think we'd, we'd be fairly okay with it with with a in inverted commas more realistic set of fixtures coming up, of course, after Manchester City, where Wolves can start to pick up some more consistent points. I don't think anyone likes to go loss, loss, win, loss, loss, you know, win. But at the same time, if that's what it is, and, and there's six points on the board, you, you know, realistically, I think they'll be better than a point a game. But a point a game probably keeps you up in the Premier League. If you look at what what the relegation has been out and the threshold over the last year, it's probably all by one in the last seven or eight years. So, I think it's okay. I, th I think it's okay. I, I, I was disappointed by the Palace game because I didn't think, like I say, Palace played particularly well. But 
Uh, we move on. We move on. Okay, we've got to move on as well because we're we're coming to uh, 48 minutes into this podcast. News and notes quickly. Uh, Liam, the, the new signings, out of all of them, it was quite a bit of a shock to see uh, Enzo Gonzalez on the bench out of everybody, but he was on the bench on Saturday or Sunday, an un- unused substitute. Uh, but what's the situation with the the rest of these guys? How far are they? How close are they? Um, how long have they been at Compton for? And can we expect to have them all available for Liverpool in two weeks' time? Uh, so the short answer is uh, hopefully yes. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. Uh, obviously, Gonzalez, as you say, in the squad and, and available. Um, Santi Bueno was available. Decision was taken not to include him in the squad, albeit he did travel to, to Palace with the team. Um, the reason Gary O'Neill gave was that he's not been with us very long and we, you know, he's not had time to work with us and you know, didn't, didn't want to throw him into it. Um, and I can understand why you would put a, a young attacking player on the bench because you don't necessarily have to use him. Whereas if Bueno's there and there's a, a big injury and he has to come on, then, you know, you're taking a bit of a risk. So, um, so yeah, so they, they should be both around. I mean, Bueno's been called up to the Uruguay squad, so he'll be out there with them. Um, but they're both fit and available and uh, and should be fine for, for Liverpool if, if all goes well with the international break. Um, Tom Doyle has had a, a small knock to his knee but Gary Neal said he should be available for Liverpool, so he'll be obviously at Compton over the next uh, couple of weeks um, and hopefully getting back into training fairly soon. And uh, and then the final man, the deadline day man, um, Jean-Rickner-Balgard, um, he's arriving at Compton, or by the time we're recording this, he will have already done um, today for training. So he's, um, he's in England, he's Excellent. having his first day of training at Wolves today, which is uh, Tuesday, if anyone's listening to this on a different day. And... Um, yeah, he's uh, should be fit and available for for Liverpool as long as the next couple of weeks go uh, go well. So, Wolves for that game against Liverpool at Molineux should be well stocked and um, and ready to go. Right, some other players I want to ask you about. First of all, Chiquinho left Stoke has gone now back to Portugal on loan. What's the situation? What happened there? What's the What's the uh, nitty gritty of why that that loan deal was was pretty much terminated very yeah. quickly as well? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's quite a complicated thing for for a club to be able to cancel one loan. He had a, obviously a recall in January as well, um, and then to send him out elsewhere. But fortunately, Stoke were fairly receptive to to Wolves to make it happen. Um, and the long and short of it really is that um, Chiquinho didn't. I I'll I'll phrase it this way. Probably you know people can you know read into what I'm saying, but he, he didn't see eye to eye with Alex Neal at Stoke. Um, Can't see an Alex Neal type of player to be honest. Can you? No, I mean I, I mean I might be being slightly harsh on Alex Neal because I've never had any experiences of him. I'm purely going based off perception here, but he feels like he's probably not the easiest kind of guy to to work for, particularly if you're a young, maybe a foreign guy who's not used to the, the style, but. I can't use that as an excuse for Chiquinho. If you're not doing what you're told or what you're asked to do or you're not putting in 100%, I think um, it's uh, it's quite poor for, for a young lad on his part. Uh, something I didn't expect really either because all the um, indications I've had from him is that he's, you know, he he wouldn't have done that. So um, he didn't do see... Do you feel there's fault on both sides? I think there probably is. Um, but at the end of the day, if the player's not, you know, doing what's asked of him, putting in 100%, I think the, the majority of the criticism are going to fall on, on their shoulders. So, uh, yeah, he didn't see eye to eye with that Alex Neal. Wolves, you know, wanted to find a solution to it quickly and luckily they were able to. Um, obviously, there's no recall now um, in January for him because he'd already played for Stoke. 
He's now going to be playing over in Portugal. He can't play for more than two teams in a season. So he, without a doubt, will not be playing for Wolves this season and will be playing out in Portugal for the full season as long as everything goes um, well over there. And um, you would just hope now that he gets, uh, you know, he knuckles down and and gets some minutes under his belt and, and plays well because it's only going to benefit him and Wolves in the long run. But we now need to see it. Just surfing back actually to one of the one of the signings in in the summer on deadline day, Tommy Doyle. Actually, I forgot to mention. Bit of talk about because he was on loan. Uh, Wolves paying some of his wages, part of his wages, none of his wages. Four point three million pound deal um, that is expected to go through in the summer. But what's the situation with the wages with with Tommy Doyle? Yeah, with it being such a, a small fee, particularly for I feel what you know what Wolves valued him at and what other clubs value him at. The unless there's any sort of serious injury issues or anything major that happens over the next. Uh, nine or ten months or so. The the idea is that he will become a Wolves player permanently. It's almost considered without being so uh, a permanent deal already. And um, and with that, Wolves are, are paying, as far as I understand it, uh, all most of, if not all, of his wages. But his wages won't be particularly huge. You know, he's twenty one. He was out in the Championship last season, um, so it's not. You know, it's not going to be a major outlay for, for Wolves to do. But um, yeah, I, as far as I'm aware, the Wolves will be paying the, the vast majority, if not all, of his wages and with the idea of him um, him staying next season for certain. OK, next player, Bruno Jordao. What's going on? Where is he? Bruno Jordao. I mean, he's Bruno still, Jordao, he's still waiting for that sub-appearance. Still waiting. He's got his hands on his hips, looking out into the, uh, into the old Molyneux, going, what's going on with my career? What's going on with my life? What is going on with your life? I know, bless him. I do feel a bit sorry for him, to be honest, because... From everyone I've spoken to in and around the club and people who've dealt with him, he, he seems to be a nice guy. I, as far as I'm aware, I mean, obviously, it's difficult to say for certain, but as far as I'm aware, he's never really kicked up a first or caused any problems. He seems like a decent chap, but it just hasn't really worked out for him. Um, I mean, I think he's clearly not up to the level. He's had injury issues as well. Didn't you know, Some of the loans he's been on hasn't quite worked out either. And he's, um, he's not going to be playing for Wolves. Um, unless something miraculous happens and O'Neill suddenly takes a, a shine to him, but I don't think that's going to be happening. He's not going to be playing for Wolves. And um, the likelihood is that he, he he goes at some point. Whether Wolves can agree a deal with him to go out um, permanently or on loan to a club where they have the transfer window still open, that's obviously a possibility. Um, if not, they might be able to do some sort of mutual agreement to end his contract. He's, only, he's in his final year of his deal, so it would be fairly easy, I believe, to... To you know, mutually terminate if they if they did want to do that. Obviously, um, not long ago it was Leo Bonatini that did that. I think it was around October November time when they terminated his contract. So that's a, a possibility as well. But the chances of him playing for for Wolves again are, are very very slim, and he'll be moving on quite swiftly. I can't believe we've got to fifty five minutes. We haven't even discussed uh, the top scorer from last season, Daniel Pedens. He has gone back to Olympiacos uh, on loan, but has signed a new deal at Wolves. Liam, what's the whole situation behind that? And uh, can you see him having, I think with a club option as well, could could you see him having a career? Or, or could you see him kicking a ball again for Wolves? Or do you think that's it? I think it's very difficult to see him playing for Wolves again. It's, it's absolutely not impossible, but I, I struggle to see how that's going to happen. It's interesting to read, um, obviously, Wolves' announcement of it late last night and some of Matt Hobbs' quotes to say that, that it's still possible that he comes back and plays... Uh, for Wolves again, but I think with him being under contract, that's you know a fairly easy statement to make. I, I just find it very 
difficult to believe that that happens. Obviously, a lot could happen between now and, and next season. You know, whether there's a new manager or new players, a new attitude from Pedenta, anything could happen. Um, not that I'm expecting those things to happen, but anything could happen. And um, and, and yeah, but I, I just don't see it happening. He's um, he's in his final year of his well, he was in the final year of his contract. Um, so it makes sense for Wolves to tie him down to a new deal to protect his sort of monetary value um, for Wolves because they couldn't get rid of him permanently. Um, interesting to see from from Matt Hobbs in his statement that you know there was offers for him to go to another Premier League club. I know Everton were uh, looking at him not too long ago, so it wouldn't surprise me if they were interested again. And um, and he didn't want to go. Um, there was obviously a lot of rumours and reports about Qatar and Saudi Arabia. An ideal scenario would have been a club takes him on a permanent, but this is the probably the next best where he's gone on loan. Wolves uh, got him down to a new deal for till 2025, and there's an option to take that to 2026 as well. And then Wolves can hopefully sell him for, for some money um, fairly soon if he doesn't come back and play, but that's a big if. Uh, and then just one final point to add to that as well is there's been... Um, I, I did put it out last night that there was no buy option for Olympiakos um, at the end of the season, but there was a few reports over in, in, in Greece that there's a, a €6 million Euro, uh, buy option for him. Um, I double-checked that, triple-checked it. There's absolutely no buy option um, for Pedence. Um I mean, it, it obviously, it doesn't mean that Olympiacos can't negotiate to try and sign him at the end of the season, but there isn't anything as it stands. And he'll be coming back to Wolves after after this season. If um, Yeah, depends on how everything goes. It's um, yeah, an interesting one that he had all summer to find this move and, and no one really came, an option came up that he was, um, that really interested him, really. I, I guess... I guess maybe says a little bit about about maybe rates himself higher than maybe his market value. I guess, but yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a disappointing ending, isn't it? Really, and a, a messy ending. Going back to your your old club, it's not really a career prog- progression, is it? But we'll see. One thing I wanted to say, and this is the last thing on on from from Nunes' point of view, Nunes' agent is that is that Mendes? Uh, yes, he is guest of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so interesting that um, with Mendes and the ties, and I know Wolves are kind of looking to to move away with a lot of these deals, and there's very much less Mendes involved than there was two to three years ago. But funny that, that there's still ties there, and uh, and Fosin guessed a few, and that um, it was a Mendes client that went on strike as well, which um, I thought was an interesting side issue. I mean, not surprising, but I just thought an interesting side issue to to think about as well. Yeah, someone did ask a question actually about that, saying obviously. Nunes was out of order for going on strike, but why is no one mentioning uh, his agent uh, in George Mendes and, and obviously the agency he's with? No, it's an important thing. Look, Wolves, it's pretty obvious. Um, just look at the signings this summer and the downward trend in the amount of um, Mendes clients that have come to Wolves over the last couple windows. Obviously, Nunes and Geddes aside last summer, the vast majority weren't. It's it's clear that Wolves have been looking to move away. I mean, that the the big piece I did about FFP back in April mentioned Mendes, um, and that Wolves were trying to actively move away from over relying on him is the best way to phrase it because they don't want to never use him again because that would be silly. It'd be silly to cut off one of the biggest agents in the world because you might miss out on a, on a good player that you want. But to have every single or almost or vast majority of the signings coming from one agency um, doesn't make a lot of sense for all of the success Wolves had previously under Nuno doesn't make loads of sense so yeah Wolves have actively tried to move away from that I think you know Matt Hobbs and the recruitment team are taking a more hands-on approach and um, trying to bring in players that want to play for Wolves and I would hope that um, 
in time that will prove to to be a success. And uh, and yeah, look in terms of Nunes, I don't necessarily think it matters who his agent is and the fact that he's gone on strike really. But one thing we have to come to a conclusion on and make and make sure people realise is that. Um, and this is no criticism. This is you know the world of business and, and the world of football. But agents and everyone else, they're all out for themselves. Of course they are, because they have to look after themselves and their clients and whatever that means financially for them. And equally, the clubs, the clubs are out for themselves and and the deals they can make. This is business. You know, it, it's not a criticism of either side, but you have to realise that Mendes doesn't know Wolves anything, um, and he will do deals with with everyone because that's his job and that's his business. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think you've just got to make sure you know realise that you know it works both ways, and um, and I think Nunez going on strike is is more a problem with the player probably than more than anything. Look, I mean, every agent in the world is quite happy for this player to keep on moving on from club to club to club because I know they get paid very handsomely even when they're at the club. But moving a club and you've got agents' fees, you've got signing on fees, you've got you've got all sorts of different lucrative deals that agents are going to get their get their hands on if a player signs to a new club. It, it's simple as that, and of course, getting him into into Manchester City is is a bonus, but yeah, the amount of fees that they'll be getting is is insane, really. So, find me an agent that doesn't want the player to move and wants them to be there for life, unless they're on absolutely ridiculous money. I'll, I'll be think you find them on one hand, to be honest. But it is what it is. Though there's some good agents, I'm sure there is, but there's also some some real shifty characters that are around. So, the information that sometimes and you feel for the the players sometimes, especially a young impressionable player who's looking for guidance, and you've got someone else who's maybe out more for themselves, and they can see. You know the dollar signs. It's it's um, it's a difficult one, and that's why I think you've got to choose your agent very very well. And I think there's a lot of people, and especially a lot of youngsters, that have a lot of guidance as well. And the clubs do it these days, where they they have people who can really look out for the the person, the welfare of of this of, of the player. But there are, I mean, you look at some of these players, and look, Wolves have had them in in previous years, who are getting pegged from club to club to club. They don't even know where they're going, Liam. They're just putting on a plane for for an elevated fee or a fee that's not really realistic to what their standard is and it's all it's all money 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 no absolutely um and yeah i think your point's important there that look it's it's not just to do with the money because there are a hell of a lot of agents um and and representatives that genuinely want what's best for their player uh and whether that means the player's not playing and they're trying to force a move of course there's going to be some financial kickback on that but they want their player to get the best possible career that they can so that's you know I can't doubt that at all that there's plenty of agents that are like that. But equally, as I say, it's they're out for themselves and their player and their client. They they don't work for the club. So and and equally the club the other way around. So it's going to work both ways. And then to your point about you know bringing players in for inflated fees and using Mendes. I mean that's Gedez is a perfect example of that. Huge fee. Didn't want to come in the first place. Never showed that he wanted to be there when he was there. And he's now gone on loan again. So it's it's that's what Wolves are trying to move away from. That's this whole philosophy that they're trying to build around players that are have a have a point to prove, are and or young, hungry to play for the club, players that will run into the ground to, to play for Wolves and want to be there, other than players that are forced to go there because if they don't, people are gonna lose out on big money. And that's the wrong reason to go to a football club. KellenToastman.co.uk is our beautiful sponsor. Liam, it's warm, it's boiling, and you need a little bit of a fan. You haven't got air conditioning like me throughout the whole house, so you need a Fine Elements 32-inch tower fan. But how much is it going to cost you to be cool and chilled throughout the day while you're 
banging away your laptop, putting together amazing cricket stories that you've got no interest in writing. Um, what, no comment. What? What? Um, what um, how much? How much? How many? How many pounds would you would you part with? To get um, to be feel cool all day, with just rotating and 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 breathing cold, fresh, crisp air into the beautiful locks of yours. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> how much would I? I mean, mm. if it's a real. I mean, this good is a li- one. this is lifetime as well. This isn't just like you know, five pound, ten pound gadget. This is this is something that's going to last. It's got warranty for three years. And it's top it's, drawer. It, if this is a real top drawer, it's something that's going to really, um, and especially in this heat wave at the moment. It's got to be... You it's look, long, it's 32 inches, it rotates. I mean, that is long. Um, <laughs> you're looking, you've got to be looking at upwards of 50, surely. Oh, well, you, you know, you, you say that, Liam, but let's, let's reduce it. Reduce it by half, reduce it by 50%. What have you got? You've got 25. You have, and then reduce that by 20%. <laughs> Mate, not a chance. Don't even, don't, don't even. I'm not even going to get close. I couldn't tell. Honestly, I wouldn't even know how to tell you. <laughs> oh my god, he's. Are you? Are you okay? And it cost you twenty quid, mate. Twenty quid for a fine element, thirty-two inch tower fan. Twenty quid. Twenty quid. Can't that. say. Bear with that. Kellentoastman.co.uk. Graded product specialist. Get on the site if you haven't already. Give it a whirl, baby. I was going to go on to a little bit of fantasy Premier League to start the season, but um, I'll, I'll I'll move that until a couple of weeks' time when we discuss it because we want to get to some questions first and foremost. Right, you ready? Um, we've got like ten minutes. Ten minutes of questions. So can you do like let's let's do let's do forty five seconds per question. Let's try and get through eight or nine. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. First one, Stu says, Do you honestly think Gary O'Neill will make it to Christmas? He wasn't a popular point anyway, and with three pretty poor performances in a row, his time looks limited to me. No, I do think he will. I think um, I think there's a lot of question marks over getting the best out of the squad. I don't actually think Gary O'Neill has made a lot of mistakes yet, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think he needs a little bit of time, and there's a few things to get right. And look, I'll be the first one to criticise when I think there is a mistake. I don't think there's been actually a lot from him. Um, Maybe his analysis of the game on Sunday. No, I'd agree with that. No, I'd agree with that. I think that you've got to be careful with some of the messages you put out um, and, and fans are, are just going to bury you if you're coming out and saying, well, we play really well every week when they're losing. Because, um, yes, they the scoreline might not always tell the full story, but I think you've also got to understand that Wolves have just lost again. So, um, yeah, I'd agree with that. But overall, from a footballing point of view, I don't think there's a lot of mistakes and there's a few things you could question, a few different difference of opinions, but um, I think he needs a little bit of time to to get it right. And um, and if he hasn't, if he has that time and doesn't get it right, then you know big decisions need to be made. The fans are going to going to vent their frustration pretty quickly if, if things continue and they keep on losing games, especially if let's say they lose at Luton. Oh, goodness me, I mean perish the thought, but. You know, let's say they got Liverpool and they got Luton, they got Man City. Who, who's, who would be to blame? Do you think, or do you think the fans would would vent on? Do you think it would be Gary O'Neill? Do you think it would be it would be Foson or, or you know, or the hierarchy in in terms of where Wolves are and and maybe the fans' frustration? I mean, had you asked me this a few weeks back before a few of the the late additions, it would have been Jeff or Foson. I think that probably would have got it because I think a lot of fans seem to be happy with Matt Hobbs from what I can tell and. Gary Neal was obviously fairly new at the time and Wolves weren't making a lot of signings. So there was a bit of frustration there. Since then, I mean, obviously social media is difficult to read into because it's very different to how people actually react in the stadium for the most part. But since then, Wolves have made you know a few signings after allowing Nunes to go. 
and the feeling before the Palace game after deadline day was was pretty good. Obviously, it's going to change when you lose a game. If they were to lose at Luton, I'd be booking a hog roast. Wait, what? <laughs> I'd be booking a hog roast. For the barbecue, if they were to lose at Luton, oh my god, I completely forgot. I'd be about getting that. the chefs. I'd be getting oh the sausages. I'd be getting. I'd be getting the tomahawk steaks. I'd be transferring thousands of pounds, and I'd be in a lot of trouble. You would be in a lot of trouble. Um, I'm not sure. I, 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 can I? I, I don't do this very often, but can I mm. leave this as an open-ended answer? Because I'm genuinely, yeah. I'm not sure where where the frustration would be vented. I, I, my instinct is to go more towards board than Gary O'Neill, but equally, I think there's quite a lot of fans that are very unsure about him at the moment. So, I'll leave it a little bit open. I, I think if Wolves lost against Liverpool and lost at Luton, mm. e- even though it's two more losses on top of what we've already seen, I do feel it might be still slightly too early to go at O'Neill. But I could understand some people that might. So, I'm a little bit torn on that one. Cool Hand Aid says, Bournemouth fans warned us of Gary O'Neill tactics, score and then take off the striker, and then take off the striker, but then fold under pressure. It was only when they had nothing left, relegation positions in, in brackets, he let the handbrake off, still to be convinced. I think this is in relation, and I think a lot of people were frustrated with taking a striker off. And I think he brought Bubakar Traore on did, at 1-1. Yeah. And then, of course, they, sh- they shipped two goals afterwards. I actually think Traore was, was kind of ineffective, really, um, when, he, when he came on. But, yeah, what did, you, what did you make of that? And do you agree with Aid? I Yeah, I think it's an interesting point, actually, because speaking to... Someone at Bournemouth who, uh, another reporter who, you know, covered uh, last season when O'Neill was in charge, one of the maybe observations or criticism was was that he was a little bit pragmatic at times and would maybe chop and change depending on on opposition and um, didn't go as far as saying that uh, they would, you know, take a striker off and be negative, but sort of implied that it was was a bit more of a pragmatic approach. I think the Wolves do need the handbrake coming off a little bit, actually. And it comes back to my earlier point about the ponderous and monotonous and slow, um, you know, forward plans and ideas at the moment. I think Wolves do need to let the handbrake off a little bit. But I actually, I don't, I didn't, I didn't mind the Fabio Fatoriori sub at the time, and I still actually don't mind it that much now. I'm just not sure whether it should have been a sub that was made on its own. I think perhaps then it should have been something else with it, but. Yeah, it's um, it's difficult because Wolves actually didn't did okay in midfield, whereas at Palace they've in previous seasons they've been bullied in midfield, and they weren't that this time. It was at both ends of the field in both boxes where they struggled. Friesen Wolf, consider the scenario: Lopetegui gone, the window is reset, but we've got the Nunes money. Do we buy Scott? By the way, who's out for quite a while, and Jokeres, or do we do the business we've done? Also, do we sell Kilman for thirty-five million and keep Collins, or sell Collins for twenty-three and keep Kilman? You probably, I wouldn't say all of them, but you probably do the opposite of what has happened for quite a few of them, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. it was obvious that Alex Scott and and Jokeres were, well, particularly Scott, were were you know important big targets for them at the time. So yeah, I think they probably do make a few of those different changes. I think obviously they they never actually had thirty five on the table for Kilman. They had thirty, and they wanted thirty five to even consider to consider letting him go. I'll give you. Let's rewind a month. I'm giving you thirty million pound back from Max Kilman. Are you taking it or not? I mean, I, I said to you at the time, I probably would have taken thirty anyway. Mm-hmm. I th- I, yeah. So yeah, I think I probably would have done. I agree. Um, and look, it's, I, I don't want this to be a complete uh, bashing of Max Kilman on this podcast because no. I, I do think he's a very good player. I genuinely do. But Which I, we said, we said at the top of the show. Yeah, you know, but we, I do think that 
I think 30... It's a lot of money. Is, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to turn down. And I, and I think Collins... I'm, I could be wrong. I really could. But I'm not the only one who thinks this. I think he might go on to do really good things in the game. So... Yeah, it's all if but to maybe because it's, it's 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 tough and you had to deal with what Wolves had at the, at the time. But yeah, they probably would have made a, you know a couple of those other additions if they could. Soccer Fights podcast says whose fault was the loss? A Liam's, B Liam's, C Liam's, or D all of the above? Ha ha ha! Mate, you don't <laughs> want to get this reputation. You played three, lost three so far. What's going on? Bring back Matt Mayer. No, don't start that. What? Um, well, keen look, out, look, 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 look. keen out, get it trending. So, come on, you need, not, you need to get not a point. Always, it's not always been like this. Do you remember? Okay. Yes, I may have missed the Southampton win last yeah. season, of course. Yeah, we all Massive know. Win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I missed the Chelsea win at home, didn't I? I in April, I was on my oh, deathbed. Yeah. I was in hospital. I was, oh, yes, I, you were. Bless I you. Was, no one would have known. Uh, no one would have known. <laughs> Shut up. I didn't see a tweet of a drip. Shut up. More war I was on my way. <laughs> what a bag. I was on my way out and I clawed it back from the grips of the Grim Reaper and uh, came back came back for the following game. Uh, crikey, and, you had Spears lined up. You had to, and, you had to, you had to go. Uh, tears. Tears for Spears. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, God, I'm going to die. And... Um, and you, you were putting the pressure on. You were like, oh, you've just beaten Chelsea. If you come back now and they lose to Brentford, oh, you're in big trouble. And what do we do? We beat Brentford. Was that was that the... Um, which game was that? That was, oh, was the, game, that the... the next game after. Away? No, they were both at home. Oh, were they? Okay. There you go. Oh, well done. Okay, well, that's that's last season, this, this season, so pressure's still on you. Um, here we go. Um, Ted says, Is it clear that Wolves wanted to purchase a strike last week, given this has failed? How serious is our... Goal scoring issues now until January. So, you know, I mean, obviously, the talk about Che Adams and, and Dia as well, who's, I think, was the president, spoke uh, very candidly about Wolves directly to the camera, uh, very strong and stern last week. Um, but do you think that they will add or, or make additions in January, depending on where they are? Yeah, I think it's um, it's very much going to depend where they where they are, probably. That, that will make a big impact on it. I mean, look at last season. Look what changed between the summer and going into January was a managerial change and then all of a sudden they made six signings. So, yeah, I think the context is really important. But they absolutely were looking for a striker. They went for Che Adams, Southampton blocked it, they looked at Dia and um, and, the, and the offer wasn't accepted and they couldn't, and they, well, they didn't go back in and, and, and pursue that one. And um, it's clear that, you know, Wolves and, and Gary O'Neill felt that they, they needed an extra addition there and they didn't get it but what they do have now going into January which is different to what they had before Nunez was sold was they have a little bit more breathing room and ability to to spend money and bring some players in um, in terms of FFP what, where they were before Nunez was sold was that they were going to make a couple of additions not as many as they did which obviously we covered in the last poddy but they were going to make a couple of additions and it was likely unless there was any more outgoings to be a quiet January purely because of the financial year that's not going to be the case now. Look, they're not going to go out and, and, and spend an incredible amount, I'm sure, but they, they have a bit more breathing room. So if and when January comes around and they need a striker or they want a striker, they will have the opportunity to, to look at some targets. So, And to be honest, again, obviously context is important where they are in the season, but it probably is something they will pursue. So yeah, one to keep an eye on for sure. Adam, I have a very important question. What are you choosing out of a sausage roll... Pasty, any filling, or pizza slice, any topping from Greg's? 
Um, it says the question would be for a young and hungry Judah uh, if he went to <laughs> if he went to Greg's rather rather than um, what we see today. I've got to say, actually, Liam, and I know you weren't there. Um, sorry to mention it again um, for the Blackpool game, but I am not one for any kind of trash food. But the sausage rolls in the media room, half time, were unbelievable. If you see them again. Forget these pies or the small pies that a lot of people have or whatever, blah, blah, blah. These sausage rolls were huge bits of sausage, a very thin, thin layer of pastry oozing. The meat, Liam, was oozing out, juicy, dripping. I had to have two. It, they were absolutely delicious. I devoured them. And by the way, you saying that you had two of them is, is actually unheard of. So... They're, like, they're like mini ones, you know, they're like cut. So it's like if you had a sausage roll, it's like... You can cut them into four pieces. They're like little bite-sized pieces where you just saw the meat. And, oh, the taste was unbelievable. You've got to have one. You've so got to have two. I, so I've, I've said to you that At I'm, the same time. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm on, a, uh, I'm on a proper health kick. I mean, I'm, to be fair, I've always been fairly decent. But, like, you know, I do like my food as well. And normally at the games, I tend to indulge a little bit. Mm. I am on a health Seconds, kick Seconds, thirds, fourths, yeah. Don't start. Um, but I will tell you this now, so it's on public record, purely because of how you've gone on about these. And by the way, not just on this potty, you've been going on about these sausage rolls to me oh, <laughs> in private in oh, as well. I'm honestly amazing. I'm 100% going to try one when they're when they're around, but aside from that, I'm still going to be good, just so you know. You still get your protein in, don't you? Like I say, thin layer of pastry, honestly. True. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some... I'll take some pictures and send them next time. When's our next home game? Liverpool. I'll take some pictures if they're there at half-time. It's a 12 it's a 12.30 kick-off, though, so it could be breakfast and stuff. I still think you've got a room for sausage rolls. No, you know, it, it, will be, it will be before the game, but for half-time, you'd hope that they'd... You know, they might have some around. That's hard we'll to say. We'll have to see. Um, let's have a look. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, Graham Palmer, any strikers out of the free agent market worth a look at? I had a quick... I mean, it was very quick because, um, as I say, we don't really do a lot of prep for this. Um, <laughs> but, no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I had a quick look at some of the free agents around me. Alfredo Morelos, former Rangers striker. I think he's still free. He's a little bit of a troublemaker from his reputation, at least. I'm not sure. There we go down that route. Um, yeah, look, the, the indication I have is that the Wolves aren't really going to... It's unlikely the Wolves are going to uh, look at a free agent. They probably would have tried to do it already. Um, it was different with Costa because... Collages had just got injured and they needed to bring Costa in because otherwise they had uh, Jimenez, who actually was injured as well, I believe, off the top mm. of my head at the time. Mm. Um, and then they had, other than that, Fabio wasn't there. Other than that, they had Huang. Cunha obviously wasn't there. So, And Huang's not a striker for, for, for me. So um, that was a very different time and a very different position they were in where they had to bring Costa in. They're not really in that position now, particularly with striker. Yes, I think, obviously, they wanted someone, but... They've got Fabio, they've got Cunha, they've got Kalajic, they've got Huang if they have to bring him in as a as a you know a, a fill in. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's likely. Um, Cape Cod Wolf says, uh, friends from America, what New England dish um, should Real Grace Music and I bring to the cookout so that they're ready to come to come across for this barbecue? So they don't hold much hold out much hope for um, for Wolves' success this season, but. Um, what should we do? What's your, what's your favourite New England dish, would you say, Liam? I mean, that's some commitment to be flying over from the States Amazing. For, for a barbecue, if that is the case. Um, I feel like they'd lose overall on the, on the finances for that trip, but uh, carry Just on. a little bit, yeah. Mm. Um, although, you know, the quality of the food and drink you'll have on offer will be pretty uh, pretty high, so you never know. I'm going to have to make this... A, I mean, we'll, we'll, depending on how well this season goes or how badly it goes, I think, you know, every two or three podcasts, we're going to have to start making small plans about this um, <laughs> to the extent where I don't want to have to be in game week... 
33 thinking about some sort of ticketing system, but we might have to go down that route. But what would you like them to bring? Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I couldn't name you a single oh, uh, New on. England dish. Oh, what, come on. So let, can, I, can I say this, because I know that Americans like this. I don't know, mm. I've got no idea about New England or not. Just do some, like, brisket or something. That sounds amazing. Oh, well, I mean, brisket's great. I mean, Barbie, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, but well, I'm, I, tell you what, Kino, bugger it. Let's get some, bri- I'll have some proper brisket on the barbecue. How's that? We'll have some brisket. Oh, I'll have some proper brisket. The We're going all plan. out. We're going all out. The plan is in, is in place. <laughs> let's, now let's hope Wolves don't get relegated. Uh, everybody's, everybody, Wolves, go, Wolves go down last game of the season. Uh, 32,000 fans, absolutely devastated. One and a half thousand celebrating wildly in the streets, ready for a big barbecue. <laughs> oh, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a great event, though. You definitely would need some sort of ticketing system because yeah, yeah, I said be. to you this before, it'll become a police incident otherwise. <laughs> it will be, yeah. God. The streets, Breaking. the streets of Dorridge will be shut off. Uh, but a bit of clam chowder probably would go down well. I like a lobster roll though. Lobster roll or an apple pie if I'm going sweet. I would say Ooh, from the from the New England. But yeah, apple, a proper apple pie that is. Or they do whoopie pie as well. Fried clams, mate. But I would say that lobster roll is probably for me absolutely top draw. Just not too much mayo. Um, right, I think we're about there really. Uh, this is our last one. Oh, here we go. Andy Matthews' last one. Um, how many points do we get from the next three games? Oh. Next three is <laughs> Liverpool, Luton, and is it? Is, is it Man City? City? Is that City? I thought it was City. Yeah, I think it is. I think they're back to back at home, Liverpool and City. Unless I'm wrong, let me have a quick look. Sorry. No, I've got it in front of me now. It's all good. It? It's okay. all good. Uh, it was good until I lost it. No, I'm back. I'm back. Uh, well, actually, they do have uh, Ipswich, obviously. Carabao Luton, Cup, don't they? But yeah, oh, that yeah. obviously doesn't count. Um, great, uh, easy trip for us on a Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> Can someone recommend a nice place in and around? I say nice, it's Ipswich, but a, a nice <laughs> an okay place bad, in and around Ipswich. So, me, because we'll go early, Keenan, we'll go together. Um, we'll probably stay up because it's a bit of a trek, but pre game, I want a nice Ooh, lunch, bit. brunch um, place, kind of a little bit upmarket, but not too poncy. Uh, if anyone can recommend it in and around Ipswich, then please let us know and we'll be there. Okay, sounds like a plan. Um, mm. No, yes, we were right. It is Liverpool at home, Luton away, mm. City at home. So, okay. Um, How many I points? I don't want to have to say this, but I'll go three. Okay, I'm going to say three too. Uh, so we both agree on that one. So this podcast will be uh, previewing Liverpool. We're going to go on to it now because uh, we will not have one next week. Uh, I am going away on Friday and we're back the following Friday. I'm going to... Go watch a little bit of baseball, my little annual baseball trip to Toronto. Uh, trip for one, my solo trip of the year. I kind of like my own company, to be honest, Liam, sometimes. And the missus is away, so I'm going away too. Can't go wrong for me. Manchester flight economy direct, 350 quid to Toronto. Can't go wrong with that. I mean, I am gobsmacked you're going economy, but yeah, that sounds pretty good. Well, I'll try and see if there's an upgrade there when I get there. To be honest, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I wanted to, you know, I wanted to appeal to the masses, a man of the people. Come on. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Are you a baseball fan? Would you like to see a bit of baseball or not? Um, I, 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 if I was there, I would 100% be interested mm. in going because I think it'd be quite mm. interesting to go to. But I've never watched it. I've got no idea. Oh, about the man, game. you're missing out. Missing out. Yeah. Going to see the Blue Jays. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. So, if anyone's in, anyone listens listens uh, in Toronto, then you'll be able to come and have a drink with me. I'll be staying at the Four Seasons downtown. Wow. <laughs> you find me out. Uh, I'll fly you out there, yeah. But yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see. I, I also, I love going around and seeing all the different food places as well and um, all the Canadian food as well. So if there's anyone who knows Toronto at the back of the hand, get in touch, let me know, because um, yeah, it's such a great place. Okay, Liverpool. Against Wolves, 12.30 kickoff. Uh, right, go on then. First of all, 
Give me what team you think Gary O'Neill is going to pick and formation. Ooh. I know, it's, at, it's a difficult one. It's I would say, by the way, By the way, I would say, uh, and this is one good thing going into the game, it's been a whirlwind for Gary O'Neill. An absolute whirlwind over these last three weeks, three and a half weeks, from him coming in on the Thursday to Manchester United on the Monday to back-to-back-to-back-to-back games to Carabao Cup games. This will be the first time that he actually gets to breathe for me. Two weeks start. It's very difficult to get a lot of your ideas across. He's got two weeks now without a game. Not loads of people leaving for internationals. He can do a lot of work on that training ground. He can integrate the new signings. For me, this is a very important and a really... We talk about good times, bad times. This is a really good time, I think, for a break for two weeks here. Just so they can get their thoughts, you know, the, the system, the staff, and get everybody together and get them all on the same page going out and coming into, into Liverpool on the Saturday and two, two Saturdays away. Yeah, I know. I completely agree with that. And obviously... You'll have time with certain players. There's 13 players that are going to be going away with um, with the internationals. So, obviously, you're going to have limited time with those players because they won't come back until the middle of the week before um, the Liverpool game, I believe, sort of Tuesday, Wednesday time, probably. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be it's going to be an interesting one how he whether he leaves some more of the international players out because of playing recently and how he manages. But that a lot of the new signings as well. Uh, yeah, you know, they exactly. can all get get get. I mean, I looked at the. I mean, it was a lovely thing to to go and see um, Gonzalez and and kind of a day in the life when he signed. But goodness me, you know, you got a young kid. Was he eighteen years old? Could be yeah. from Paraguay and just crazy. Could you see his eyes like wide open? You know, obviously he doesn't really speak the language yet. And and going through medical and Compton and then into the stadium and then doing a press shoot, then doing a, you know an interview and then meeting the people and you know going through and and obviously you know the liaison officer and Lisa and then going for lunch and then meeting. A meet and greet. It's it's crazy, you know, how much of a whirlwind it is for these guys. And luckily, you've got some great people to look after them, like I mentioned, um, you know, from a staff point of view to to make sure they're bedded in and feel as comfortable as possible. But it is important to integrate and to and to take time and to be around their their kind of spatial surroundings um, in and around it, just to get a bit more comfortable. So these two weeks will definitely help that and get themselves into a bit of a routine. No, definitely, hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to sort of second guess what he might go with but I think looking at the way the Liverpool set up I, I don't think he'll change the formation and I think there'll be actually probably minimal changes to the 11 if I'm honest Okay. but I think he'll go Saar I think he'll go Doherty maybe it's maybe it's wishful thinking but I'm going to I'm going to go for it uh, I think he'll I think he'll keep Dawson and Kilman mm-hmm. and I think he'll play Nori mm-hmm I think Neto will keep his players. I mean, Neto, obviously, senior Portugal call-up as well, but he was one of the best players, if you say, for, for Wolves on the uh, on the day at Palace. Done pretty well last few games. I think he keeps his place. I think Lamina and Gomez both keep their places. And I think Huang starts on the left. And I think he will stick with Cunha and Fabio, but I could see a world where maybe Clyde just comes in. But I think that's where I'll go. So that's actually only... Two changes there, Doherty and, and Huang from the um, from the Palestine eleven. Uh, obviously, anything can happen between now and uh, and that game in just under a couple of weeks. But I, I don't think he'll make a load of changes, and I think he'll keep the majority of the new signings for the bench. The only other suggestion is he maybe goes three in midfield and brings in Belgard or plays Belgard out on the left. But then that probably means not playing Huang because Neto probably wouldn't lose his place. So there's a couple of question marks over it but I think that's probably what I'd go for yeah 
I've got a sneaky suspicion we might see five at the back. And I'm going to say that Nelson Semedo will probably have a last chance saloon if he is playing a five at the back and ask him to go forward. And I think there'll be, I think Totti will come in. I'm just not quite sure how the makeup's going to be, but I think he might go five at the back in this game. And I'm going to say Kalajic starts. Oh, he's gone for it. I'm going to say Kalajic starts. So, uh, and I'd be quite happy with that. I think you've got to, I think you've got to change it a little bit because I think Wolves could improve 50% on what we've seen in the last two games and they still get beat against Liverpool, who are, are flying high at this moment in time. Um, Darwin Nunes is starting to, to play as well, got his, got his starting place back. I mean, the demolished Villa without with going, not getting out of third gear. And of course, we've got, um, we've got Mr Jota back as well, who didn't have a great game, could find himself on the bench. But I think they need to change it up a little bit. And uh, I think, like you, like you alluded to there, Liam, I think the likes of Sasha being back at base might help him over these two weeks to really yeah. maybe potentially give him a go and give him a start and give him 60 minutes and see what happens. Then you can change it around. But I think a couple of things need to change. I have not been particularly warmed to what I've seen in these last two games. So, interesting. One last, there was a question. Sorry, there was one question that was I thought was interesting. And uh, apologies to the person who I, I, didn't, I don't know who it was from. And they said, look, the best performance of the season was against Manchester United, hands down. That was four days away from, or five days away when, when Lop left. Was that more of a Lopetegui side, do you feel, and the way that he was building it up? Because since then, it's kind of tailed off in the performances from that point of view onwards. Um, and was that more credit to Lopetegui, or do you think more credit, credit to, to Gary O'Neill? To be honest, it's neither here nor there, really, because the actual starting eleven and the formation and the system has been pretty consistent mm-hmm. for the most part. And I haven't seen anything too dissimilar. And I'm sure there'll be some sort of evolution in the way Gary Neal wants to play. But I haven't seen anything too dissimilar in the way that Wolves have been setting up in comparison to Lopetegui. They have been trying to keep the ball, trying to play through the thirds. And that is where my criticism has been, where they've been really good getting into the final third, but not actually you know, uh, being clinical or ruthless in the final third or in the, or in the box. So... I don't think it's actually been that different. And maybe it's a deliberate thing from O'Neill because he's had limited time with the with the side and he hasn't didn't want to change too much too quickly. But I don't think it's really a praise for Lopetegui, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's neither here nor there for me. I think it's Gary O'Neill trying to get the best out of the plays he's got. Leave at the top of the show before we went on live. I said, right, 100% 70 minutes. 90 minutes later, we're still going. But I guess this has got to last over a couple of weeks. And I, I would employ, if you haven't listened to the Deadline Day podcast as well, that we released late Friday, uh, there's plenty of that discussion and chat. Uh, if you are looking for your fill next week or whenever you come to listen to this and you want a little bit more and you haven't listened to that, plenty of that is still relevant going into the Liverpool game. So I would uh, say have a listen to that one too. Right, uh, we'll go with your prediction, Liam. I'm going to say Wolves nil, Liverpool 2. Unfortunately, sorry. Bad times. That's <laughs> buzzing. Uh, After I'm all that. I'm going to say Wolves 1, Liverpool Come on, two. Splinter. Come on. That's it. Come I, just on. Said, I just said it. What? 1 what? No, Wolves 1, Liverpool 2. Oh, okay. We're, I'm sorry. We're two defeats. I love the fact that we've built up for 90 minutes and we've both gone for, a, for two defeats and nil point. But, Obviously, um, I'm hoping wrong. But it's important. What do we give away? You choose. Let's give away two of those fans. Oh, two fans? Love it. Two turtle doves. Let's go for it. Love it. Let's it's give hot. away two Bell fans. People need the fans. 
Love it. I, I like it, mate. I like it. They do. Uh, okay, so if uh, Wolves lose 2-1, then someone's winning. I feel like uh, there's a lot of losing this season makes people people winning in certain, certain uh, elements of of the podcast prizes or barbecues or whatever, but we want we, we never want people to miss out, do we? We want a little bit of light in the tunnel, whatever happens. No, absolutely. I mean if if you know your your club goes down and you're devastated, at least you've got mm. a uh, you know a heater or a fan. <laughs> heater <laughs> or a fan that you can bring to the barbecue. Yeah, buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> to to I'm sure that'll struggle to cool down the two hundred and fifty people that'll be waiting outside. But anyway, we'll see how that goes. Uh, pleasure, Liam. As always, I shall see you. I'll see you Wednesday night. We're going to the women's game, aren't we? Uh, Wolves winning against Stourbridge. So that'll be fun. We are, yes. Um, up in uh, the New Books Head in Telford. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be uh, be nice to go and uh, and see Dan's side again, and uh, and they've had a good start to the season. So yeah, yeah with yourself... it being international break, and implore as many fans mm. as you can to to get down there and watch the watch the girls. Yeah, get yourself down there, um, and we'll give it, give us a wave if you can. Come and have a chat. Um, if you see Liam, give him a hug. Tell him he's a hex, and um, and yeah, we'll have a we'll have a pot noodle at halftime. How's that? I don't know what you said, but that sounds pretty good. Okay, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you um, on Wednesday night, or we'll see you again to Liverpool uh, two weeks on Saturday. From me, from Keenan, have a great weekend. Take care. Bye bye. We're on our way back